This is Cora. Cora's going to read for me this morning. She's going to read uh, one of the resurrection stories. So in the Bible, there are a number of different resurrection stories, and we're going to look at one from Luke 24 this morning. And this story is about two of Jesus' followers who are walking from Jerusalem uh, back to where they live in Emmaus. And we're going to learn that one of them is named Cleopas. Uh, Cleopas's partner is not named, but in the Gospel of John, there is a Cleopas who is married to a woman named Mary, uh, married to a woman named Mary. And so most scholars believe that this is Cleopas and his wife Mary who are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And this is 2,000 years ago. And something we know that they did not know was that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so what I would like for us to do is I want to invite you to join me on this road with Cleopas and Mary. I I want to invite you to walk along with them. And in this moment, imagine you don't know Jesus is alive. Imagine you have just experienced all your hopes and dreams, the one you had put all your hope in, being nailed to a cross. You had seen him die, and he's buried, and all your hopes and dreams are dashed, and you're walking home, saddened. Uh, What are you feeling? What, What are you experiencing? What do you see? What do you hear? Uh, what is going on within you as you walk with Cleopas and Mary back to Emmaus? Let's enter into this story. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Okay, so, thank you. Uh, They are leaving Jerusalem. Why were they in Jerusalem if they live in Emmaus? This is why. They believed Jesus was the one. They believed Jesus was the one to fill all their hopes and dreams. They believed Jesus was going to come as a military ruler and drive out Rome and free them from Rome and that Jesus would become king and everything would be all they ever hoped and dreamed of. They have family in Emmaus. You know, these are small towns. You, you, you stay in the town you grew up in. And so their parents are there. Their aunts and uncles are there. Their cousins are there. Uh, imagine what their parents said when they said, we're leaving Emmaus to go follow this guy. We're going to the center, to Jerusalem, where Jesus is. We're leaving Emmaus to follow him. And now they're going back to Emmaus with their heads down. Imagine, not not only are they feeling like their hopes are dashed, but there's got to be some sense of embarrassment. Like Now we've got to face our parent. We've got to face that uncle that's going to be like, told you so. Got to face that aunt who is like, told you you were going to join the circus. You've got to face the people who had said, don't do it. Uh, They are going back. Because they believe this movement they hope to be a part of is over. And they're talking with each other about everything that has happened. 
As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Okay, they were kept from recognizing him. This is so interesting to me that they were kept from recognizing him. This is the guy they had followed. This is the guy they knew intimately. This is the one they had put their hopes and dreams in, and yet they don't recognize him. And this happens in other resurrection stories of Jesus as well, that there are people when they first see Jesus after the resurrection, they don't realize it's him. What, what is going on here? Uh, we don't exactly know. Ha, ha, has his uh, visual shape changed? Does he look differently? Uh, <coughs> I wonder. I wonder if they are so deeply heartbroken that they can't believe resurrection is possible. I wonder for us, what heartaches... What pain are you carrying this morning that, that it has been so severe that you can't believe that resurrection could be possible in your life? What is the thing that has just deeply weighed you down? Uh, maybe something that no one else knows or, or something that no one else can understand, but it is just weighing so heavily on your soul that you can't imagine that there could be hope, that there could be new life, that there could be new birth, that there could be resurrection in your own life. And, and so I think that they are so deeply hurt and broken and in such deep pain they can't believe resurrection could be possible, that they don't recognize him, they don't see Clearly, I wonder if we go through life a lot of times not seeing clearly. I wonder if we go through life a lot of times not hearing clearly. I wonder if we go through life not seeing a different landscape, a different reality that God is opening up to us in the midst of something that just seems devastating. Uh, we go through life often not seeing clearly. For, for example... Uh, a few years ago, one time, I was over in the student center watching my kids. Uh, I think my wife was in a meeting, and so I was with the kids. And I was right uh, around the corner down the hall, and I, I hear this. One child says, there is no love. And another child says, there is no God. This is great. Pastor's kids are atheists. Um, <laughs> They, they don't think love exists uh, as a parent entrusted to show them God's love. Uh, they don't believe in God, and they don't believe in love. Great. This is fantastic. Um, here's the thing. There's this puzzle sentence they were trying to put together. And, and this is what it said. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And next slide, this is where they were at. Give, Lord, to the good. And they were, trying, they were thinking, it's probably supposed to say, give love to God. But, child one, back to that slide, there, there is no love and there is no God. <laughs> Next slide. As you can see, there is no love and there is no God. Now you see clearly. But the first slide, we're all like, What? If you had been walking down the hall and heard my children say, there is no love and there is no God, 
you would not have been seen clearly. I think we go through life not seen clearly a lot. Cleopas and Mary are not seen clearly. There is an invitation to our eyes being wide open to a new hope, a new reality. And here is Jesus walking alongside them, and they don't recognize him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One okay, of them... this, uh, this word downcast in the original Greek, it literally means depressed. They are depressed. They are deep in depression. They have put everything into this hope in Jesus. And their hope is shattered. You know the feeling when a hope is shattered. It, their hope is shattered. They are literally depressed. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. Okay, now Jesus is just messing with them. Like, first they don't recognize him. Now Jesus is like, what, what are you talking about? Jesus, who has just been crucified, who has just been killed, who has just been buried, and they're talking about these, and they're like, are you the only one who doesn't know what has just happened? And Jesus is like, what things? Tell me about it. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Okay, we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. Uh, You ever had that feeling? We had hoped it wasn't cancer, but it was. Uh, We had hoped that things would turn out differently for her, but they didn't. We, We had hoped our marriage would be rescued and restored, but it wasn't. Uh, what is the hope for you that has been dashed? Uh, they are living with this, this hope. And notice their hope. It, we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. I wonder if sometimes our hopes and desires are too small rather than too big. That they understood the story of God leading up to a Messiah who would be the one for Israel alone. And yet God's plan was so much bigger, so much more expansive than they could ever imagine. They had been pursuing this one dream over and over and over again, longing for it. It reminds me of uh, these two characters, this character who's been pursuing its prey for ages. Uh, Television networks all the way back in 1949 were were, uh, running this this story of one character pursuing another over and over and over again. And and of course, it's uh, the Roadrunner. (laughs) Wile E. Coyote pursuing the Roadrunner since 1949. Never able to catch the Roadrunner. What an act of futility. Uh, Just, man, rough life. Uh, What if Wiley caught the Roadrunner? 
what would happen? Uh, someone actually made a YouTube of Wiley catching the Roadrunner, and uh, Wiley goes home that night and cooks the bird up and um, is eating it, and a friend is there, and the friend says, uh, so what are you going to do now? And Wiley's like, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. I haven't trained for anything else. Something will come up. And it like flashes to two weeks later and Wiley's sitting in front of the TV drinking beer just totally depressed. <laughs> because he feels like he's lost all purpose in life because he finally got the Roadrunner. What, el- what else is there to do? Uh, and I mean, uh, I-, I wonder if Wiley really didn't want to catch the Roadrunner. I mean, think about it. This company he gets all of his stuff from, Acme. Uh, Next slide. I mean, this is shoddy stuff. (laughs) This is really dodgy stuff. I mean, like things like jet-propelled pogo stick? Come on. Or do-it-yourself tornado kit? Like, that's going to work. It doesn't work. None of it works. It just keeps blowing up in his face. This is what happens. Uh, I wonder if Wiley just doesn't... I, I mean... How does a place like Acme stay in business? Uh, and, and I just wonder if Wiley doesn't want to catch the Roadrunner. Because, uh, can you go back to that Oscar Wilde quote, uh, Rebecca? Um, there are only two tragedies in life. One is not getting what one wants, and the other is getting it. Uh, I wonder if Wiley just doesn't want to get the Roadrunner, because he knows if he does, it's not going to be fulfilling. Have you ever gotten something you really, really wanted, and then you're just like, that's it? Is that it? Uh, and so we keep chasing these things, and it's like, that, that's it? Uh, I wonder for Cleopas and Mary, they wanted Jesus to come with a sword and destroy Rome and set himself up as king, and had that happened, I think they would have been like, oh, that's it? That's it? And, and Jesus had something much bigger and more expansive in mind. Verse 25. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Okay. Notice something here. Jesus retells the story to them, a story they knew really well. And their expectations, their interpretation, their understanding of this story was that the Messiah would come and redeem Israel from its oppressors. They could not see a bigger story. They could not see the story outside of their own geographic location. And Jesus comes and he retells them the story. He tells it to them differently. He helps them understand that the story is so much bigger than they ever imagined. I wonder how often we read the story and don't see truly how big it is. He helps them understand that the Messiah had to suffer, that the Messiah wasn't going to come with violence, but the Messiah was going to come with peace and suffer under Roman oppression with them. And not just for the sake of Israel, but for the sake of the world. That Jesus' idea of redemption is cosmic in scope. Jesus' idea of redemption includes all creation, not just one 
people group, but all of it. And he gives them a more expansive view. But here's what's interesting. He opens their eyes to the scriptures. He helps them understand intellectually the story and what had to happen. But they still don't recognize him. They still don't see that it's Jesus. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Okay. Now they recognize him. Why, why is it they didn't recognize him when Jesus explained the story to them? But now, in the breaking of the bread, they do. A uh, couple of thoughts about what's going on here. Um, first this. Intellectual assent alone is inadequate. We must experience the risen Christ. Our eyes must be open to a new and better Reality. They, they now understood intellectually because Jesus had told them the story differently, that it had to happen this way, that redemption was so much bigger. But they only assented to it intellectually. But it was in the breaking of the bread that they recognized Jesus. It was in experiencing the risen Christ in a shared meal that they recognized Jesus, and their eyes were open. Now, in the Hebrew culture, and in the study of the Hebrew scriptures, there is a rule, and it's called the rule of first mention. And so, the first hearers of Luke's story would have been saying, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Their eyes were open. Where was that mentioned first? I've heard that before. That was mentioned before. And their, their consciousness would have gone all the way back to the beginning of the story, this ancient story, the, the beautiful creation that God had created in its original goodness, its original glory, its original beauty. Everything was as it should be. It was shalom all over the place. And this first couple that we're told about, Adam and Eve, and they're living in harmony with God and with each other and with creation and within themselves. And, and then... We, we get to this part of the story where it says that a tempter came and tempted them to eat this fruit that God had told them not to eat. Long story short, they, they decided to eat it. They served themselves this fruit and ate it. And, and the text tells us in Genesis 3, their eyes were opened. And they realized they were naked. And they were afraid. And they felt shame. Luke is telling us that Jesus is rewriting that story. Jesus is reversing that story. The story where eyes were opened because they served themselves. They felt shame. They felt death. They felt heartache. They felt depression. They felt afraid. In this story in Luke 24, this couple allows Jesus to serve them. And their eyes are opened. 
and their despair has turned to seeing hope. Their experience of death has turned to seeing resurrection is possible. Their experience of fear and anxiety has turned to hope and love and peace and believing a new day has begun. I wonder for you this morning, let's return to reflecting on that thing in your life where it feels like resurrection just simply isn't possible. But what is the thing in your life, the heartache you've been carrying, that you just simply believe a new life cannot come out of this? Uh, and I wonder what it looks like to ask the risen Christ to open our eyes to the invitation to new life, that somehow, by God's grace and mystery, out of death, new life can emerge. If I can have my uh, volunteers come up. Um, that something like this cross, which is a symbol of execution, something like this cross, which is a symbol of death, could actually maybe be the beginning of new life. That something like that cross. And what we see, remember I said we, we go through life not seeing clearly. What, what we see is a symbol of death. What we see is a cross. But what if we flip it over and it's actually a garden bed? And there is opportunity for new life to emerge out of a symbol of death. There's opportunity for new life, for resurrection to come out of that which we only thought possessed death. That new life can and will emerge even out of our deepest pains and heartache. In a moment, I want to invite you forward. And I invite you to take a flower and plant it in the backside of the cross, in the backside of death. Well, Jesus was nailed to the cross. What would it look like for us to stab new life into the backside of death? And by God's grace, have Jesus, the risen Christ, open our eyes to the hope of new life in the midst of death, to hope in the midst of despair and pain. Uh, I wonder, next slide, if we might... Consider this as something to carry with us as our, our prayer. Let us see that where there was despair, there is now hope. Where there was fear, there is now love and peace. Where there was death, there is now life bursting in. When our eyes are opened and we truly see, we are met with the gaze of the risen Christ who lives and reigns in you and in me with a deep love we can only begin to comprehend. We are invited to see that death does not have the last word. Resurrection does. God, this morning as we come and reflect on how somehow, mysteriously, your death brought about a whole new creation, brought about new life, brought about 
resurrection, that it was only through passing through death, passing through the cross, that resurrection could occur. God, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see the new life, the new creation that you are creating within us. God, whatever fears, whatever heartache, whatever sadness, whatever brokenness, whatever addictions we are carrying around with us this morning, I pray, God, that new life could be stabbed into the back of death and that we could see new life emerge. Uh, these, These disciples, after Jesus reveals himself to them, these disciples say, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us along the road? Uh, God, may we have burning hearts and eyes wide open to resurrection. We pray this in the name of the resurrected Christ. Amen.